0: It's that time of the summer season when fruit and vegetables are getting big and flowers are in full bloom. And if we're not careful, bugs are having some fun with the garden bounty. We'll talk bugs, planting for the cool season and more with Master Gardener Lynn Kuntzman in Garden for Life.
1: Lynn Kuntzman, thanks for joining us once again. Always a pleasure to have you.
0: Nice to be here.
1: So as the summer grinds on, uh, it, you know, the plants expect the kinds of conditions they get. The gardeners, if they're new at this, maybe not so much. But, uh, but things to think about as we get like halfway through the hot season with, uh, with September, about a month out.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're bringing in a, a crop in, in August and, and uh, um, you just got to keep patrolling for critters that are uh, assaulting your plants. Um, keep keep the moisture levels even. It's, it's hard when we get up into triple digits and uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so be checking the moisture levels. Um, a lot of stuff is going to kind of go start going into senescence near the end of the month, near you know clo- approaching September. A lot of your vines are going to start maybe looking peaked and ragged, and you're harvesting a bunch of stuff and pulling those out. Get them into the compost pile and, uh, you know, start prepping your bed to put in some of those um, fall vegetables that you want. So um, hopefully you started those back in July and um, you've, you've got, you know, your coal crops ready to go in. Uh, yeah, so you can do just some garden prep that way.
1: Yeah, talk about that part of it then, because I'm looking at the kinds of things that are recommended on the uh, the August list. Broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, Chinese cabbage, bok choy. Um, and uh, so these these are things you should have put seeds into stuff somewhere else away you, from the garden. You should
0: have, yeah, you should have started them back in July. Or you can go to the nurseries, and the nurseries will have them uh, starting in like mid-August. And um, then you can go and just buy the little transplants and tuck them in. Um, you know, even even under, I when I get them, because I'm too I'm too disorganized to start my, <laughs> everything from seed. Oh, no, I am. I mean... I, but I, come on, you're the statewide like said, master gardener of the year. I, mean, I know, <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, I, I have said always, do as I say, not as I do. And so um, I buy starts because it's just um, easier for me to make sure I've got good, healthy plants to go in the ground. And I will tuck. Cabbage and broccoli and all those other little guys in between my um, tomato plants, um, you know, in the summer garden. So the tomatoes kind of give them some shade. Oh. And then um, and then the little cabbages and broccolis and cauliflowers can start growing. Um, and they're happy kind of getting afternoon shade from that really baking sun that we sometimes have in August and September. Because they really do like cooler weather you know, eventually, but they'll grow, uh, you know, they'll grow really well um, in those conditions. So oh, okay. Or, you know, if you want to have your own separate bed for them, the, me putting in between my tomatoes helps me remember that I want to grow crops from different families in my garden bed on a rotational basis. So if I've got tomatoes, which are members of the Solanaceae family, the nightshade family, growing in a bed, And I don't want to grow those in that bed next year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want to put something else between, you know, uh, moving those kinds of plants into that bed again. So putting... shoulder seasons the spring and now we're talking about the fall shoulder season um where most people they put in a summer garden and then they walk away uh Uh, you know um a lot of us though like to grow year round and so it makes rotation difficult um but putting putting some of those other families of crops in the beds where you're taking out your your Um, peppers or your eggplants or you're taking out your tomatoes or you will be taking out your tomatoes and peppers, um, that helps that rotation um, cycle.
1: Lynn Kunzman with us once again on the Jefferson exchange for garden for life and uh, and we will be able to take emails for future segments this one's recorded but uh, but send emails along I com- I put them in a stack and the next time we get Lynn on I ask her those questions so that's to JX <laughs> at jeffnet so so uh, without uh, putting for example some cruciferous vegetables uh, in Uh, either after or concurrent with the tomatoes, would you not want to plant the tomatoes in the same place in the next year without something between them?
0: Right. You would not Um, because any pests that specialize on the solanaceous family, remember insects uh, kind of concentrate their efforts on, they specialize on a family or a genus of plants. Um, And if there are insects and pests that can, Deal with all the um, the alkaloid chemicals in in solanaceous plants, the nightshades. Uh, they're going to be present in the soil. They're going to be present in that area in yeah. your garden, and you want to put something else in there that they're not going to recognize, and then they'll run away shrieking and hopefully <laughs> and 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 then. But if you put the same crop in the same place year after year, you're just building up. Um, the insects that are specializing on that crop, and, and 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 you're setting yourself up for failure because they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be there in their numbers, and it's like, oh boy, she's planting, you know, zucchini again, hooray! And, <laughs> oops.
1: Yeah, the cafeteria is oh, open good. for the year. Come on, guys!
0: Yeah, come on, come on down. <laughs> so
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so so you want to make sure you put some bugs at a disadvantage. Can you work that to yeah. your advantage? There's some things in particular that I mean, they run away shrieking no matter what the cruciferous would be, or are there other things that really make them uh, get out of there fast?
0: No, you know, I who I I don't know uh, for certain about that, but you know, there there are lots of um, there's a lot of discussion about uh, companion planting things when you're growing your actual vegetables in the summer, things like. That are highly aromatic, like marigolds or um, nasturtiums or basil or garlic and onions. You're mixing those in with your other crops. Sometimes those have a uh, an ability to divert or or confuse insects that are coming in for a specific thing, like a pepper that you want to have, right? <laughs> um, and and so anytime you can rotate crop through and we, we like to do it on a like a three year cycle. So you grow your maybe your tomatoes and peppers in one bed one year. The next year you follow that with like a, a leaf crop. So lettuces, um, mustards, those kinds of things. And maybe after that a root crop if you're if you grow carrots and beets and turnips and those kinds of things. And then um maybe and and in some point you want to put in um the pea family which are your beans and peas so you you want to move those through those beds kind of in a systematic way unlike i do uh and (laughs) you know people who who really have this down they have a rotational system they have their their gardens in a chart and they have their beds labeled and they're moving things through those beds systematically so they go maybe Three or four years before they put peppers back in the same bed, or zucchini back in the same bed, um, and and that's really helpful for um, confusing the insects for long enough that then the natural predators that are out there looking for things to eat will find them and take them out. You know, mm-hmm. so.
1: Is there also an advantage, Lynn, in in soil health? I mean, when you talk about, for example, you know, putting your broccoli in uh, in the shade of your tomatoes, I mean, at what point do you start to, to right. think maybe you're depleting uh, the nutrients your soil has?
0: Well, if you are, if you're green cover cropping during the winter, you know, I like to grow a cover crop during the winter and then chop it and chop and drop it uh, before I plant my summer vegetables and let it kind of dry on the surface. Um... Or if you're keeping things mulched, there is a constant um, a constant nutrient cycle that's occurring because of the um, macro invertebrates, the insect life that's in the soil, the worms and the beetles and the, the other the things that eat detritus are there eating and pooping and they're providing nutrients all the time. So if you're keeping your soil well covered and um, and you're growing green manure crops. Um, it's you know, you don't really have to worry that much about your soil health. It's taking care of itself.
1: Lynn Kunzman with us on Garden for Life once again on the Jefferson Exchange. Not live this time, but get your questions in for next time at JX at Jeffnet.org. JX at JeffNet.org. This is probably the first time that I've actually looked at the list of things you're supposed to be doing in the garden, in this case for the month of August, and uh, and noticing, oh my goodness, I've already done this. I, I actually had a crop of garlic this year, so I'm figuring out which heads to save for planting in October. Oh, wonderful.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah. So, yeah, garlic is being, you know, you probably pulled it in July, and now you're dusting it off and braiding it up and hanging it. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it's really uh, rewarding to get that crop in. It is. In it fact, I, yeah.
1: a friend already used uh, some of the garlic and said, wow, it was really pungent. I said, I think it's because it wasn't cured yet. There is that process to go through, right?
0: Well, right. But I, I don't, I mean, there are lots of garlics that are very pungent by nature. They're very sp- hot, spicy, very hot. Depends on what, you know, which one you planted. Mm-hmm. So um, they can, even after they've cured and they've been hanging for a while, some of them can be very <laughs> tangy. So yeah, that's that's uh, not necessarily how long they've been curing.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so so the the curing process just to let them dry. I know it's not in direct sunlight. I got that wrong for a few days, but uh, right. Just...
0: Yeah, don't. Yeah, you don't want to put them in direct sun. They should be in a shaded area with a good circulation. Um, and then uh, I you can you can wash them when you first take them out of the garden when the soil is still damp, but. We recommend that you just let them dry, and then brush the, you know, the soil off them after they've dried off, and um, and hang. I trim the roots off um, to get most of the soil off of them. I peel maybe the first layer of the paper off the bulb so that it's cleaner, and then I braid them up uh-huh. and hang them.
1: Yeah, braiding gets difficult. I've noticed once the uh, once the leaves have uh, had a chance to dry out.
0: Yeah, you kind of you kind of want to braid them when they're still a little green. Um, I and I do it. I run some string uh, through mine, some twine, sisal twine, mm-hmm. so that I have a, kind of the braid kind of all holds together because uh, the, the twine passes up through the braid, and then it acts as a loop that I can hang on a hook mm-hmm. in my patio. Um, so yeah, but doing it when they're a little bit green still. Maybe and in,
1: and in terms of what to save for uh, for sticking back in the garden for next year's crop, you just want to take the biggest one, or is there some other yeah, science there? Yeah, hmm?
0: I, I choose the, uh, you know my biggest bulb um, because uh, I mean that's just kind of that's just kind of a, a a gardener thing. You know, you save your you save your biggest onion in the garden and let it go to seed so that it makes bigger onions for you next year. That's that's kind of old school gardening practice. So, um, yeah, I use the big cloves, um, but all of them will germinate, so even the little, little bulblets that they make, sometimes up on the stem you can plant and they'll grow a garlic bulb for you, so...
1: Um, yeah. It was definitely fun watching them come up. Those little green peace signs coming out of the ground. <laughs> as they, oh yeah. As the, as oh, we yeah. From winter into spring. Now, uh, mm-hmm. you were talking about uh, buying starts instead of, um, uh, you know, coming from seeds. From and, and mm-hmm. it just uh, th- that's always good for a refresher course. In about a minute or so, what uh, what do you recommend to look for when you're buying uh, started vegetables? Sure. Well,
0: you what you want to avoid are anything things that look woody in the cell pack. so usually get you get these in six cells and um, you want uh, they need to look fairly tender but robust in other words they're large they're leafy they're not losing leaves they're not yellowing out and the and the stem is not woody because sometimes those things sit on the shelf in the nursery and they get really kind of beyond where they should be and they start to get woody in the in the cell pack so look for really um, Green, juicy, <laughs> robust-looking plant, um, and and then you really can't go wrong if you get them in the ground and keep them watered well into the fall. You're you're in good shape.
1: Okay, we'll visit again soon, Lynn Kunspin uh, visiting us more often through the growing season in the heart of the summer with uh, Garden for Life. Lynn, always a pleasure.
0: It was really fun. Jeff Riley and Lynn are happy to take up concerns from listeners, and you can get questions in- into the next session by emailing jx at jeffnet.org. Don't go away. Underground history is next. We'll hear about research into what the Rogue Valley's famous Brit family ate and why.